evening. So thankful for you, your faithfulness. I, I just, I don't take it lightly, uh, dear the people here at Valley Bible Baptist Church. And uh, I'm grateful, love my church, love, uh, love the folks here, the family that God has given to us. First Peter chapter 3, I want to pick up at verse number 8. And we've just been marching through the book of First Peter. And uh, we've arrived here at this, at this point. And we're going to look tonight at a Christian's love. And uh, we start here in verse number 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that speak no guile, that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil, do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And I want to stop there with that statement. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. We're looking tonight here at a, at a Christian's love. You'll join me. Let's go to the Lord in, in prayer this evening. Father, thank you. Uh, just good to be here today. It's been a wonderful day. Thank you for the sweet spirit that you've given to us. Thank you for the sweet fellowship. Lord, just the uh, even this afternoon, the, uh, the time to gather uh, the meal that uh, was, was provided and the blessing there upon that. And Lord, the labor that uh, went into it. And, and Lord, just the labor of love. And uh, I thank you, Lord, for the love that you've given us for one another right here in this church and how we need each other, how we depend upon each other, how we look to each other. But Lord, most of all, we were able to do that because of you. And our love really comes from you. And you're the one that uh, you did it all. And I thank you, Lord. Help us tonight. You've got a message for each of us. And help us to purpose to listen, to gain something that we might put into practice this day. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated here this evening. We're going to look uh, here tonight, just in this section of Scripture, at, at a Christian's love. Uh, the book of First uh, John, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, uh, read, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. That only makes sense that a child of God, bought by the blood of the Lord, loved by the Lord, uh, would be known by his love. The Lord is known by his love, and a child of his ought to be known by their love. And uh, we've looked at this uh, particular chapter. Uh, we've seen in the first, first part of the chapter, a Christian love uh, is practiced in the home. And uh, we've, we've seen this word submission, and this is a powerful word throughout the book of First Peter, having a submissive spirit. And we're talking in this part of the chapter within, within the home and the order within the home and uh, really the love that uh, comes within the home. And now we're going to take that, that Christian love outside the home into the local church and into our relationships with one another. And if you look again, this statement, and you'll see here Christian love among the brethren. In verse number 8, 
He says, uh, finally, uh, as, we, as we've come to this, this part, finally be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Christian love here among the brethren. Uh, John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said to his disciples, uh, again, a new commandment I give unto you, uh, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now, I want to keep your place here in 1 Peter chapter 3, and I want you to go back toward the end of the Bible to the book of 1 John. And the book of 1 John speaks a lot about this Christian love, uh, the love of the brethren. And in 1 John chapter number 2, 1 John chapter 2, one of the evidences of salvation, one of the evidences of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is what that relationship with the Lord does towards those through you that know the Lord. And we're of the same family. If you know the Lord, I know the Lord. We're brothers, we're sisters in Christ, and we know the same God. We have that relationship, and that produces a love that only the Lord can produce. And we look here in chapter 2, verse number 7 of 1 John. He says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, that's the old life, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, hateth his brother, is in darkness until now. So it's very clear, if you know the Lord, you're in the light, uh, you're going to love the brethren. He that loveth his brother, in verse 10, abideth in the light, there is not occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, walketh in darkness, knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness had blinded his eyes. Go forward to chapter 3 and uh, in 1 John, verse number 11. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. Reads, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. He says, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, slew his brother, wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. He gives this as an evidence of salvation, and it brings about a change in our relationship towards Christian brothers. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, seeth his brother hath need, shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And you'll see this principle throughout the book of 1 John. Now go back with me to, to 1 Peter uh, chapter, uh, chapter number 3 and then we're going to go back from there to Philippians chapter number 2. In 1 Peter chapter 3 verse number 8 he says, Be of all of one mind, having compassion one another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. As, as we look at this thought, love in this verse is expressed in our Christian unity. Notice this statement again. Finally, be ye all of one mind. I want you to go back with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. 
And uh, I, I believe we have um, used the scripture to interpret the scripture. And in Philippians chapter 2, uh, we speak here of this unity of one mind. In Philippians 2, verse 1, it reads, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded. Here's that word again. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing, and here is the interpretation. What do we mean of unity? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, unity is spoken of here in the Bible is not the same as uniformity. We're not all the same. Isn't that good? I'm glad you're not like me. Uh, I'm glad that we're different. I'm glad that the Lord has variety. I remember taking my wife to the, uh, to the aquarium in Albuquerque, and, and I just got the giggles at, at all the variety of fish, the different colors, the variety, and how beautiful it, it was. And, and I thought, well, Lord, you've got a sense of humor. Some of these fish are, are pretty funny uh, looking, dear. But God has given variety. And, and even here in our midst, the Lord made variety. So when we speak of unity, we're not speaking of, of uniformity. We're different. All of us are different. That's a good thing. We have different personalities. That's, that's a good thing. Uh, we've been gifted differently. We have different spiritual gifts. And I thank the Lord for the spiritual gifts that I've seen at work here uh, within Valley Bible Baptist Church. You see, Christian love gives opportunity for different expressions. Now, I understand in, in doctrine, we're the same. In doctrine, the Bible speaks till we come to the unity of the faith. And doctrine is foundational. And uh, there's no room for uh, discrepancy. Uh, salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and uh, we understand that, uh, that unity of doctrine, that's, that's very important. Uh, it's helped me, however, to see that God has gifted us differently. We need each other. And I saw that even with my children, with six uh, children. They were all different, none of them the same, uh, different personalities. Uh, I had to discipline a little bit differently at times uh, because I, I learned something that would work for one, wouldn't work for another. And, uh, and so there's, there's the, the differences in the personalities, the differences in, in who we are, spiritual gifts. We're, we're different and uh, we're unique in all of this. Uh, uh, there are some here within our church, the gift of administration. Uh, and so able to organize. We have some that have the gift of service and not necessarily good organizers, but if there's a piece of paper on the floor, uh, they're the ones to go and, and pick that up. Uh, the, the administrator, he says, there's paper over there, you go get that. There's paper over here, you go get that. Uh, the server, he's the one going to get the paper, and we're different in that capacity. And, and some have a spiritual gift of, of prophecy, and, and uh, boy, it is black and white and yay and nay. And, and then some have uh, that gift of mercy, and uh, the, the, they work together in the unity as a church, and we need each other. And love is expressed in our unity, not in the same conformity to everything, but in the unity as we work together as a body in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think about, about your physical body? Isn't it a wonderful blessing when your body works together? I like it when my head says to my hand, 
there's a piece of food right over there. And my hand reaches down to pick up the lechon and put that in my mouth. I like it. And there's unity. And I'm glad that my hand doesn't say to my head, no, you can't do it. You do that yourself. And uh, it all works together in unity. And that's what the Bible is speaking about. That's what a body in Christ ought to be as we work together, unified, love expressed in unity. Now go back in chapter 3 and verse number 8. Uh, chapter 3, verse number 8. Love uh, expressed here in our midst with compassion, with sympathy. In First uh, Peter chapter 3, again, verse number 8, he says, Finally, be ye all of one mind. And he makes the statement, having compassion one of another. Uh, compassion sympathy. In Romans chapter 12 verses, or verse 15, we read, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. A lot of times we get that backwards. We see somebody rejoicing, we get jealous. We see somebody weeping and we rejoice. And here the Bible speaks of our unity and our compassion and our sympathy that uh, those that rejoice, we rejoice. Somebody is prospered in a way. We ought to be grateful for that. Uh, somebody goes through a difficulty, we ought to weep together and pray for that. Uh, he makes the statement here in verse number 8 to 1 Peter, be pitiful. And that speaks of a tenderness of heart toward each other. When I read that word pitiful, I think of, uh, of Psalm 103. Let's go ahead and go back there. And, and it speaks of the Lord and how the Lord looks with pity upon us, His children. In Psalm 103, in verse number 8, Psalm 103, verse number 8. And uh, we read here, the Lord is merciful. And here's the Lord toward us. And this is what the Lord is saying that we are to be towards each other. The Lord is merciful. Aren't you glad that the Lord has been merciful with you? And sometimes we have to be merciful with each other. And sometimes we have to forgive some things. Sometimes we have to... Uh, just be willing uh, to be right with people. He says, be merciful and gracious. He says, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. Glad that the Lord has been plenteous in mercy toward me. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west so far, have it removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. You know, there are some times that uh, by God's grace we forgive. There are some times that by God's grace uh, we show mercy to one another. There are some times that we just have to overlook some things. Aren't you glad that, uh, that sometimes uh, uh, you know, people are not always like you? Because if they were always like you, you'd probably be upset with them all the time. And uh, there are some times that the Lord allows, and He's got a sense of humor, and sometimes there are some thorns in the flesh that uh, God uses you and teaches you and tries you, and He grows you. And this is a part of this love that God expresses through the church as we learn this, uh, this unity, love expressed in unity. And that takes humility, and it's the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Although he's God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation, 
He took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. I found in, in the home, and we've said this before, uh, you're a sinner married to a sinner. And here in church, we're sinners saved by the grace of God. And as such, there are times that we're merciful one with another. We're piteous. We're pitiful uh, towards each other as the Bible is expressing uh, this humility of mind that it takes in Jesus Christ who became a servant to all and a servant to us and humbled himself. And this is what the Lord is expressing to us. That's the love of Christ that he wants to give through us. That works in the home, and it works in the church, in the local church. Uh, sometimes, wives, you got to put up with some things from your husband. And sometimes, husbands, you put up with some things. And sometimes um, we learn and grow uh, together as a family, learn that unity of heart and mind. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 8. And he mentions here this love expressed in compassion, but there's love expressed in kindness. Notice the last statement in verse number 8. Just simply be courteous. Be courteous. Uh, treating each other with respect. Uh, 1 Corinthians, the love chapter says love is patient. That would be a good one to memorize. Uh, love is kind. Again, this humility of putting others first, Christ first, others second, and self last. This is Christian love among the brethren. It's a constant process. It's a growing process. It's something that we've got to grow in. It's something that the Lord has to work in us. It's something that He molds in us as He builds us into the character and the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am so grateful here for Valley Bible Baptist Church. I'm, I'm so grateful that I, I, I see it, a unity, a, a love. You love each other. And sometimes brothers get frustrated with brothers, but we love each other. And we learn to grow together. And we learn to press forward together. And we learn we need each other and that we're different. And yet we need one another in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is Christian love toward the brothers. Now look back in 1 Peter chapter 3. We're talking about a Christian's love. And then we move to verse number 9. And this is really where the pedal hits the metal. It's easy to love those that love you. But here's Christian love when we've been wronged. And I want you to look here, verse number 9, and this statement is not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that you're hereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. Uh, we like it when people treat us right. And it's easy to treat those right that treat you right. But what about the times when we've been wronged? We live in a sinful world, don't we? And in a sinful world, offenses will come. Uh, Jesus stated that in Luke chapter 17. Now, there, there are three levels of reaction. Uh, here he mentioned that we're not to render evil for evil, but uh, Satan's way is to return evil for good. That's satanic. And the human way is to return good for good and evil for evil. But the divine path that God speaks of, this is the Christ-like spirit, is to return good for evil. Now go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. And he says, For even hereunto were ye called, 
Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Now this is the Christ-like reaction. Now as I look through the book of 1 Peter, and we're going to be dealing with this as we move forward here, but I believe Peter is preparing us for persecution. I believe he's preparing uh, these scattered Christians for difficult days that would be ahead. Uh, Many of them have been cast out of homes, and they've lost jobs. They've been forsaken by family. Some of them have faced prison. They faced difficulties, and Peter is telling them that it's not a strange thing that they're facing those difficulties. And he's expressing to them, when you face these times, here's how you handle it. And I want you to see a little statement here in verse number 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. But notice this statement, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Now, God promises, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. He says to those, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. You see, our response is so very crucial to that blessing. And he expresses here in verse number 9 that we're to control our actions. Now, the human path is when somebody does me wrong or somebody lies about me or somebody speaks about me. The human path is, I want to get them back. The human path is, they spoke of me, I speak of them. Uh, The human path is, they did me wrong, I'm going to do them wrong. But here the Lord is saying, we are to behave ourselves. We are to control our actions, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. And the Bible says that we're to bless those that curse us. The Bible says we're to love those that hate us. We had that illustrated for us this morning in the account of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus Christ, that Good Samaritans, the Samaritans and the Jews, despised one another. Here's a Jewish man laying half dead. It was a Samaritan hated by that Jewish man that gave all to go to that Jewish man and raise him up. That's the picture that God gives for us. And so the Lord is expressing we are to control our actions. We're to control our tongue. Look at verse number 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. I think it was Dwight O. Moody that said, my problem is working on me sometimes. How many times do we let the tongue go? And the tongue says something that it should never have said. And the Bible warns about that in the book of James. The tongue is a world of iniquity. This little tongue can do great damage. And just like the the, uh, rudder of the ship that can turn that huge ship wherever it wants, just a small rudder, uh, one little match can set a forest on fire. And a little word from the tongue can make a world of difference. A a, a word from the tongue can build up or a word from the tongue can destroy. Uh, The word from the tongue can be like precious silver that makes an impact upon another life. And parents, that's so important uh, in our discipline and within our home that we keep guard 
over the tongue and guard and control that. Proverbs uh, 10 warns about uh, the power of the tongue along with James chapter 3. We're to control the actions and control the tongue. And we're to control the attitude. Look in verse number 11. Let us do evil. That, that word eschew means to hate evil. And uh, we're, we're to despise evil. Love people, but we're to despise wrong and contrary to the way of God and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, to pursue peace instead of walk. And here's what the Bible is expressing. This won't to be the heart. It's a Christian love toward those who have wronged us. And that's where Christianity gets down to the heart of the matter. It's where it makes the difference. So we have Christian love to the brethren, Christian love to those that have wronged us. Look at verse number 10. There's a statement here. And I think this is very important, and, and we're going to call this Christian love for love. So we read, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue. Your tongue uh, can lead you into a world of trouble, into a world of iniquity, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil. And a lot of times the difficulties of life come from our own choices, the, the path that we chose. God's expressing to us as Christians, we ought to love living. We ought to love life. Whether you realize it or not, others watch your life. They're watching you. They see how we treat the brethren. It's a dog-eat-dog world. The workplace, it's one person against another person. It's the worker against the boss and worker against worker. Ought not be so in the Christian realm amongst the brethren. So the world watches us. They see how we treat the brethren. They watch us. They see how we treat our enemies. But they watch us and they see how we live. I believe it ought to be a joy to be a Christian. Ought to be a joy to be saved. We ought to seek to live life to the fullest for the Lord Jesus Christ. I was uh, shared with somebody yesterday that the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and leaveth no sorrow with it. You know, when you have the blessing of the Lord and that blessing centers around the place where God wants you to be and that place is a local church and the family and the home that gives you. You know, you, you leave the home and you leave the responsibility of the home and, and uh, you leave the wife and you leave the husband and you leave the authority that God has given you. You put yourself in the realm of Satan. And life becomes miserable at that. And uh, the blessing of the Lord, it centers around the place and the commitment to the home and the commitment to the church. And it centers around the promises of God, the word of God and the blessing of the Lord. It, it centers then around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing Jesus personally. And Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. And friends, it's a joy to know Jesus and to be saved and to live the life that God has given you in the will of God. And uh, this world cannot bring that joy. This world cannot bring peace. The things of the world cannot bring it. Riches cannot bring it. There's no relationship outside of Jesus that can bring that peace. Uh, if we're going to love life and live life to the fullest, it's going to be because we know Jesus and we walk with Jesus. We have the commitment. Jesus himself said in John 15, verse number 11, These things have I written unto you uh, that uh, my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. 
And in that context, he's talking about abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ, having a walk with Jesus, abiding in fellowship with the Lord. And this produces the abundant, joyful life. And a Christian ought to love life. You know, that's uh, Christianity. Uh, A Christian that loves life, that knows the Lord, a Christian that walks with Jesus, that makes Christianity attractive to the outside world. Uh, Let me ask you, the Christianity that you have, is it attractive to a lost person? Can they see Jesus in you and be attracted to the Lord because of what Jesus has done for you? How can we how can we love life? Well, look in verse 10 again. If we are to love life, we made mention of this. We're to honor the Lord in all things. He that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Your lips and tongue do not belong to you. They belong to the Lord. And his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil. Your life, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. Let him eschew evil, do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. See, we don't live for self. We live for the Lord. We do all for the glory of God. Our lips belong to the Lord. Our lives belong to the Lord. If we're going to live and enjoy life, it's because it's centered around the Lord Jesus Christ. And so to love life, we must honor the Lord in all things, doing all for the glory of God. Look at verse number 12. If we are to love life, we must trust the Lord in all things. He says, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Aren't you glad about that? Uh, The saved, the righteous, my righteousness is of him. His ears are open to their prayers. If you know the Lord, the Lord is open to your prayer. And uh, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? You do right. God will take care of you. But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, what does he say? Happy are ye. Why? Because we know the Lord is in control. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Uh, This reminds me of of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, to those who are called according to His his will. We know uh, that God is at work and and we know if God be for us, who can be against us? And we know in Romans chapter 8, verse number 35, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He says, nay, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, that's the promise that God's children have. And we can love life no matter the difficulties we face, no matter the tragedies that come our way. We can love life because our God is on the throne and He's in control in every situation. See, the world needs to see that kind of faith, that kind of trust, that kind of hope in an individual that has a personal relationship with Jesus, has committed all to Him, doing all for the glory of God, trusting Him in all things, uh, honoring Him in all things, we can love life. Now let me sum everything up from verse 15 of 1 Peter 3. This 
is the key. But sanctify. That word means set apart. The Lord God in your hearts. You see, this is Christian love for Christ. This is the sum total of it all. If Christ has your heart, he has everything. And when the Lord has been set aside in your heart, that love for Christ will cause you to love the brethren. You can't do it on your own. Uh, we're, we're a mess, aren't we? Uh, you can't, there's some people you just can't love. Okay? You can't. But Jesus can through you. And so this is Christ working through you. Uh, a love for Christ will cause you to love the brethren. That's 1 John chapter 2. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have love for one another. And a love for Christ will cause you to love those who have wronged us. Now, our human nature, you can't do this yourself. But when you've been wronged, the love for Jesus working through you is that same love that when he was reviled, reviled not again. And so here's the key. When the Lord has your heart, he loves through you, the brethren. When the Lord has your heart, he loves the enemy. And when the Lord has your heart, he causes you to love the life that God has given to you. As Rachel came up to me and she said, Dad, Ecclesiastes is a weird book. And it is. And Ecclesiastes is just sorrow and vanity in, in it all. And here's the problem. Ecclesiastes was, was penned by Solomon. Solomon had uh, all of the education he could want. He had all the women he could want. I think it was, what was it, uh, 700 wives, 300 cucumber vines. And, uh, and, and so he had, he had all of that. And uh, he had the education. He had, uh, had uh, all of the, uh, the parties. He had everything that he could want. And he comes to the end and he says, all is vanity. And that's what life is without Jesus Christ. It's, it's vanity. But he comes to the end of it all. And he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and serve Him, for this is the whole duty of man. That's where joy comes from. It's in a walk with Jesus Christ. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Does the Lord have you? Does He have your heart? Are you in love with Him? You're in love with the Lord. He'll love the brethren through you, even the weird brethren. And if He has your heart, He'll love the enemy through you. And if he has your heart, he's going to give you the blessing of life. And life is a joy when you're right with Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord.